Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. I want, I want God to help you. <laughs> Whatever you need, I want God to be hearing your prayers and answering your prayers. And so I'm going to start by blessing you again this morning. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. That you'd receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today. Whatever help from God you need. I bless you to be able to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever's going on. I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. All right, everybody, if you're new here or are visiting, we are in a series on creation. The Bible begins with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then over the next couple pages, we read about how God created over six days in time, and then on the seventh day, He rested. According to the timeline of the Bible, this takes place 6,026, but I'm shifting now to 6,027 years ago because that makes all the difference. That's probably about time. Let's switch. Let's give it another year. The Bible claim, though, the, the claim of the Bible is that all that we see, that this claim that, that all we see was created only 6,027 years ago, that clashes. That clashes with all the science that we've ever been taught. And most educated Western Christians, especially those who grew up as Christians and were educated in, let's say, the British uh, education system or whatever, they have concluded that, that science has proven the straightforward testimony of the Bible, the straightforward claim of the Bible, that, it's, that it just can't be true. Only 6,027 years ago, not six days, not that recently. And so as a result, many Jesus-loving, Bible-loving, Bible-believing Christians with, with very good hearts, desiring intellectual integrity, people who want to honor God and honor the Bible well, and also grapple with the science as they've been, as they've been taught, they have shifted their understandings, their interpretations of the early chapters of Genesis to try and make it all fit better. And we understand why. We understand why with that. In our church, uh, according to the survey we took, took a couple weeks ago, one quarter of the church believes that God created the earth in six days, about 6,027 years ago. Three quarters, the vast majority, do not believe that to be the case. They, they have other thoughts on and, and different views. And, and again, we've talked about that. And and I understand why. I understand why people would have those, those views. This is a seven-week series. This is a seven-week series where we're looking at Genesis chapter 1. Four of the messages are very much apologetics in nature. They're very much more apologetics. We're looking at four fields of science, and we're, we've already looked at geology. 
Uh, this week we're looking at the science of, of chronology, of time, and then we're going to take a two-week break so we can just digest all the goodness. And next week we're going to feast and we're going to celebrate the return of Jesus here at the church. And then the week after that we're having this special speaker named Sam. He's going to be here uh, teaching. And then we're going to get back to and we're going to talk about biology and then we're going to talk about astronomy. Those two fields of science. And then we're going to spend a few weeks just in the Bible. Uh, marveling about the creation account and, uh, in Genesis 1 and 2. So that's, that's where we're going for, with that. I know that apologetics isn't for everybody. And I know that not everybody's like, oh, yay, I, I love apologetics. Um, I get that. That's fine. I do think it's appropriate from time to time over the years to have some, a little bit of apologetics, uh, focusing on loving God with our mind uh, and all of that. So we're going to do, do a bit of it. This week, we're going to be looking at the science of chronological dating, and although this may seem like a strange field of science for you, besides the existence of God, besides the existence of God, it's the timeline of the history of planet Earth. It's the timeline of the history of planet Earth, which is the most contested issue. That's why we need to talk about this today. So we're going to talk today about the science about why and how we get these old multi-million year dates ascribed to rocks and, and fossils and stuff. How do we get that? Where does that come from? And what we're going to do is we're going to see if, if the science behind the dates of, say, fossils, if, the, if, those, if that science proves, and I'm going to say that again, proves, proves that the Bible cannot be true in its claim that the earth is only 6,027 years old or so. Okay, so that's where we're going. As always, I like to start with the Bible, though, and make sure we're clear on the claim of the Bible. So, again, the, the, the claim of the Bible, the timeline of planet Earth, 6,027 years old. Now, I want to highlight something that you may not have thought of before. We've talked about this, that three-quarters of our church do not hold to the straightforward uh, testimony of the Bible that, that three-quarters of us don't feel comfortable uh, thinking of Genesis 1, thinking of Genesis 2 as history history, like factual history history, for different reasons, obviously. But for those who want to honor the Bible, they might have a few different reasons for that. One, of, one group might say, oh, it's more poetry, and as poetry, it's not really intended to be seen as factually, factually, historically, historically true. They would say it's the genre, the genre of literature says that it's not meant, it's not intended, it's not intended to be taken literally. Okay, so we can, we can have some flexibility there. I, I, I hear that. Others might say that, that these early chapters are sort of theologically true, but historically they're, they're more of a, in some way, a, a bit of a mythical recounting of explaining of how we got here, that there's, there's truth in it, but it's, it's more of a mythical recounting. A, a guy named Kenton Sparks, he says it this way. He says that many of the Genesis events didn't happen as written, but that these were written in, his words, typical ancient ways that did not intend to produce history. That did not intend to produce history. Okay, that's good. And, and I think as I say that, there's people in the room like, okay, that, I get, that's, that's kind of, I, I feel okay with, with some of those sort of things. Uh, especially when it comes to Genesis 1 and, and the creation account. 
With all those views, though, the, the, main, the main argument is that Moses did not intend. Moses did not intend for us to read Genesis 1 to the, the creation account as literal, literal, literal history. It, it's the type of genre. It's the, it's, that's why we don't have to understand this as being factually and scientifically true. It wasn't intended to be that way. If that's your view, I can totally understand uh, why you come to this view, but here's the honest issue, and I'm just going to put my finger right on it. We don't get the timeline of history 6,027 years ago. We don't get that number from Genesis 1 or Genesis 2 or Genesis chapter 3. We get that number from meticulous ge genealogical records throughout the Bible. We get that number from meticulous genealogical records with precise dates, with, with precise ages, with precise names, and precise details. Of all the genres in the Bible, uh, in, in Scripture, if you're going to hold anything as intended to be understood as historical, solid, factual, 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 these chronological, these genealogical records, you would elevate to the highest level of intended to be accurate. You're not seeing round numbers. You're seeing precise numbers, precise names, precise timelines, precise details. That, that is intended to be seen as solid historical fact. And so as people who value intellectual integrity and, and honesty, we can't claim that the author of the Bible didn't intend the genealogies to be understood as as anything other than factually accurate, as, as true, as reliable. And we also know that the Hebrews received them as such. They, they believed that these genealogies were intended to be true, and they, and they made decisions based on that. Whatever you want to do with Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, the Bible places the creation of Adam through the geneal genealogical records throughout the Bible, it places it... 6,027 years ago. That's where we get that number. Okay, that's, that's that. Woohoo, this is fun. Let's keep going. So the timeline of the Bible, that's the timeline according to the Bible. Now, now I want to look at the science behind how we get different timelines for planet Earth, okay? How, how, do, we, how do we get old dates for rocks and for, for, for fossils millions and millions of years old? There's, there's three ways. There's three ways we get there. And, and here they are on the screen. The geological layer of some, where something is discovered, carbon dating, and radiometric dating. Those are, those are the three methods working together, working together, that's how we get the, the dates uh, as, we, as we see in, in science class or whatever, about a rock or a fossil or whatever. So I'm just going to talk through these just really quickly, because so, we need to understand the science behind it very briefly. I'm going to give you the briefest version. How does carbon dating work? This only works on things that were once living, like plants and animals, okay? And here's a picture of how it works. You have two different atoms, carbon atoms, carbon-12 and carbon-14. When a creature is alive, um, carbon-14 decays over time, but when it's alive, that carbon-14 keeps getting replenished, and so you would expect the same mixture in the air of carbon-12 and carbon-14 to be in the living plant or Creature, creature, living thing. But the second something dies, 
then carbon-14 is no longer being replaced, but carbon-12 always stays constant. So you have a clock, and, 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 as, and we know what the decay of carbon-14 is. So the, the more that carbon-14 disappears from what you would ex- have expected it to be, the, the, more, you can, the more accurately you can, you can date. So af- if half the carbon is there, then 14 is there, than was expected, then you would say, okay, this fossil or, they wouldn't, sorry, they wouldn't do a fossil. Anyways, this, this thing is 5,730 years old because that's the half-life of carbon-14. That's just known, simple science. That's the basic of it. But the important thing to note here when it comes to carbon-14 is nothing should be able to be carbon-dated over 50 years old, 50,000 <laughs> years old. Over 50,000 years old. Because after 50,000 years, there should be no identifiable carbon-14 left. That's just, it's just too much. It should be gone by then. So that's why they don't date dinosaur bones with carbon dating, because they're thinking those things are millions of years old, let alone like 75,000 years old, right? So, so that's, that's the belief. There should be no carbon after 50,000 years old. Now, the science, all that seems simple, and we might get back to it in a moment, but you have to know, here's the issue, you have to know what the ratio of carbon-12 was in the air and carbon-14 was in the air for this to work. You have to know that. And we know that that shifts with different events. The Industrial Revolution, the, the in, in, that totally shifted uh, the ratio of carbon-12 and carbon-14 in the air, and so things before that date older than you would expect. When they started testing uh, nuclear uh, explosions in the air, <sighs> sounded stupid saying that. Uh, it also shifted, and now things test younger than they ought to. It shifted the carbon 12, carbon 14 uh, balances. Something as significant as a global worldwide flood that destroyed all animal life and plant life and reset so that you would expect coming out of the flood a different ratio of plants on the earth versus animals, at least in the beginning. A ratio shift like that, that would also have a a dramatic effect. Now, maybe maybe the the flood has seemed like, the flood story has seemed like a simple story to you growing up. Like, oh, rainbows and happy animals uh, on a boat together. What what a joyful thing. Let's let's make bath toys and uh, whatever the case may be. Um, when it comes to science, this is one of the most significant stories in all the Bible. Like, this is, this is a, um, if you are a scientist that works in any of these fields, that, uh, uh, dating things or, or going in the past, the, the flood is so central about, like, connected to so many fields of science. It's such a big deal. Anyways, Whatever, whatever's going on with carbon dating here, carbon dating, secular archaeologists, and, and you need to know this, secular archaeologists do not um, regard carbon dating as absolute because it has too many anomalies and it's imp- missing too many important bits of information, like what was the starting ratio. So it's not considered reliable or accurate. It is not used to date things. It's only used to confirm what other other methods of dating, okay? It's not reliable enough. That's, that's carbon dating, one-on-one. Woohoo. The other main uh, d- scientific dating method is called radiometric dating. Here's a picture of that. 
And basically, this can only be done on certain kinds of rocks, and it's similar to carbon dating, but this time it has to do with, like, in this, in this example, uranium decays to lead over time at, at a certain measured pace. And so, uh, you know, over a predictable period of time, this happens. You can see how much uranium is on this rock and how much lead is present at a certain um, bit of time. The problem is, the scientists who's examining it don't know if there was lead on the rock to begin with. They don't know if, there, if any more lead has come in contact with the rock over time. They don't know if uranium has been added or uranium has... Uh, uh, there, there, again, there's, there's too many unknown factors to it. And, uh, and again, secular scientists do not consider this reliable or accurate because there's too many unknown variables. This is also only used to confirm other dating methods. It is not something that is, it's not leading the way. These are, these are follower sciences, okay? Too many un unknowns. So then how does it work? Here's how it works. Let's say somebody finds a fossil. Yay! Tyrannosaurus. Okay, great. So we find a fossil, and the first thing that, that is done is we observe the geological layer the fossil has been found in. Observation number one. Now, here's the picture for the geological layers, in case you weren't here last week. Geological layers uh, are what you've seen in science class all growing up. They are these horizontal layers in the dirt that most scientists describe uh, time periods to, covering millions of years, with each layer, according to secular science, being formed slowly over a long period of time, millions of years. That's, that's the science. And, and last week, we spoke about how the Bible describes this global worldwide flood, an event that we know, that we factually know from, from um, just other events, that an event that could have laid down all the strata layers on planet Earth at once. Like, we know that that, that could have happened as the floods receded. But, but the secular scientists believe that these have been formed slowly over time. And I want you to see from the beginning, the very first step of determining how old a fossil is, your starting understanding of history... And your understanding is, is there a flood or not? That shapes everything. That is, that is the most central question here. Every scientist, secular and Christian, is completely biased when it comes to uh, looking at the facts in the ground. If you believe that there's a global worldwide flood, you will not attribute millions of layers for these, millions of years for these strata layers. But if you believe that there was no flood and everything that we see was formed naturally and slowly over a long period of time consistently, millions, billions of years, then you're going to have very different thoughts about those, these geological layers, how old they are, and your understanding of geological layers impacts entirely how old something gets dated to be. So significant. So the first thing a secular scientist does is notice is what geological layer something is found in, and they pull out their chart, which gives them an approximate date criteria for the fossil they've found. And so we got our fossil here. Let's say it's the Jurassic layer. Jurassic layer. And so our starting point must be, for this fossil, as a secular scientist, it must be between 145 million years old and 201 million years old. That is our starting criteria for this fossil. Any other date ascribed to this fossil from any other dating method that does not match this criteria gets binned. 
I'm going to say that again because all of your life, every date that you've heard is, is based on this method. When dating something, secular science starts with the geological layer. They look at their chart, which assumes, assumes millions of years and assumes slowly formed geological layers, no flood. And from this point on, all the scientific analysis that does not place a fossil within a date between, in this case, 145 million years and 201 million years old is rejected as an anomaly, as a mistake, as just a, a weird thing. Do you understand the significance of this? The geological layer dates are the most important determiner of how millions of old, years old something, and it's not derived on science, it's derived off of this theory of, of, of these geological layers. They're, they're, this is circular reasoning 101. This is circular dating. We, we date things by predetermined ages based on a theory that the world is old and that it's, it's all happened slowly over time and that geological layers were not laid down at once as there is evidence on planet Earth to support when it comes to a flood. But they have been laid down slowly over millions of years of time. The data is rigged from the beginning. The geological chart is the master when it comes to dating. And then after the scientist finds this fossil, it determines it's in the Jurassic layer, and it's time to submit it into the lab for checking. Now, obviously, they're not going to carbon date it because we're past 50,000 years. And so let's radiometric date this baby. And we're, we send it in the, on the form, on the form, the scientist will write the expected age of the fossil. In this case, we expect the date of this fossil to be 145 million to 201 million. And they're going to radio uh, metric, they can't date the fossil, but they're going to choose the rocks around it. And every date that comes up outside of those parameters is rejected as a radiometric mistake. They're only going to accept, and you can look at the reason, people write about this all the time, you're going to get massive amounts, this is so inaccurate, you're going to get massive amounts of dates way older, way younger, and they're just going to slice all of the ones off that don't fit the expected date to come up with the, the date range that's on the form. I know if you have issues with science, uh, creation scientists having a, a slanted issues when they, they look at science, I'm telling you, everybody does. Every, everybody is, is, is biased in all this. And, the, and the, what the challenge is, we've been fed all our lives is, look, the, here's the fossil, here's the fossil, the, the geologic layer this fossil comes from, and look, the, 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 radio, uh, the radiometric dating proves that, it is, that we're right. Because we had a radiometric dated as well to confirm that it's in it. It's, it's that we're in the right zone. And everything feels indisputable and confirmed. Now, that said, there are some serious scientific, scientific evidences that something is really wrong when it comes to chronological dating based on the timeline of the geological chart. Here's just six, just really quickly. Uh, six examples that should flag up to any secular scientists that we need to re-examine the chart in the very least. Number one, they have find, they find carbon-14 in old fossils that are supposed to be millions of years old, that, uh, that are supposed to be well over 50,000. They find carbon-14, and that is a scientific issue that should flag up. We need to re-examine this. We need to think this through. 
it cannot be more than 50,000 years old and have carbon-14. Something is wrong, okay? Number one, they find carbon-14. Number two, uh, the example of all the geological layers being laid down at once with Mount St. Helens and and Missoula Flood and and other things around the world. If If there is a flood, that messes up everything, and there are evidences of a global worldwide flood covering the tops of every mountain on planet Earth. The science shows that, not some, just some story, not old myths. The, the science shows that. It has to be addressed. Thirdly, they find red blood vessels and dino, in dinosaur fossils, in dinosaur fossils. They find red blood cells and, and tissue, things that are supposed to be millions of years old, scientifically impossible. We know how fast red blood vessels decay, and and they don't last long. Even in the most ideal, ideal, ideal circumstances, you can't get further than a few thousand years. Like, this is is just a factual, scientific impossibility that that should be flagging up to be, we're finding this in over a hundred different kinds of dinosaur fossils. Like, it's it's becoming, now that they're looking for it, they're finding more and more and more of this. And, and it should be flagging up, wait, this can't be millions of years old. We're, we're dealing with us. The Earth's magnetic field. The Earth's magnetic field is decaying so fast that they're saying it, it has to be less than, the magnetic field has to be less than 10,000 years old. What, what is it, life without no magnetic field? Mars. No life. No life, no magnetic field. And, and so again, that, just looking at the scientific rate of decay there. Um, content, uh, continents. Continents erode at the rate of, uh, yeah, we all know this, six millimeters every hundred years. Fact, right? Boom. Yeah, six millimeters every hundred years. I, okay, I had to look that up. All right. So six millimeters. Okay, that means if you go back one billion years, one billion, there's no continents. North America disappears in 10 million years at the rate of decay of 6 millimeters per 100 years. There's not enough time just because of, of, of erosion. Erosion. For, the sea, sixthly, isn't salty enough. The, the, the sea, sea, the salt enters the sea so much faster than it escapes. Even if you assume that there was no salt in the sea at the beginning, whatever the beginning was, the oldest the oceans can be is 62 million years at most. 62 million, that's far younger than, than billions of years. The sea can only be 0.062 million years, billion years old. Uh, it can't get anywhere close to even 100 million. Poor dinosaurs, no ocean. I don't know what's going on there. None of this proves, though, that the Bible is true, that the claim of 6,027 years old is, is the only possible explanation of all that is, but I hope that you see very clearly that the science behind the ancient dates that you've received all your life, the science behind the numbers, the science behind that, that have caused you major intellectual challenges when you look at the Bible and when you look at science. The dates, the numbers there, the science has major, major, major problems. Even just the way things are evaluated, it knows it has problems. And primarily because it's based on circular reasoning with these geological charts, which are an obvious conflict with concrete scientific realities. Okay. 
Our question in this series is, how much, how much can we trust God's version of past events in the Bible, especially in the early chapters of Genesis? For me, I want to know, does science cause me to need to distrust the Bible with my mind? I mean, I can hold on to it by faith, of course. But, it, but does it require me to distrust the Bible with, with my, my mind? And thus far, not yet, because the science of chronological dating is so suspect, so suspect, so many flags. There's no way I'm standing on that instead of the Bible. There's no way. And, and if the flood happens that the Bible claims, and we have ge- lots of geological evidence for, and the dates given in the Bible are fine. They're in the box of possible possibilities. Now, friends, I'm, I'm, um, I'm getting a lot of feedback on this message series. Strong, strong feedback, strong feedback, lots of, lots more feedback than usual. Um, I've received very, very positive feedback by some and by, by several. And I've received very, very negative feedback by, by others, um, very negative, and the feedback has been really helpful. Uh, the, the feedback is helpful, and it helps me realize that I need to do a better job communicating why, like why this stuff is so massively important for us. In this church, I, I talk all the time about the wow and the wonder of God and, 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 our, and our sin and our brokenness and our, 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 our uh, just messed up realities and our need for a Savior who will forgive us of everything that we've ever done, everything we've ever experienced. That that Savior's name is Jesus and everybody who turns to Jesus and believes in Jesus can be forgiven of everything and saved and, and the call of this is to follow Jesus. With all of our lives, to trust Him with our lives, follow Him all the days of our lives until we're welcomed into eternity with God, something we're going to be celebrating next week together. But something that's also really important is the truthfulness and the reliability of the Bible, not just in the story of forgiveness in Jesus, but in its reliability as a, tr- a trustworthy source. For everything. Is, is God's word true? Like true, true? That's really important to me. It, is, it, is it spiritually true and factually true? Is this a reliable document? I, I think everyone has a good heart here in this church. Everyone. I, but friends, it is a very big deal to stand on these words that it doesn't matter It's a big deal to stand on the words, it doesn't matter if it's historically or factually true or not. So do not underestimate how significant that that statement is. Because it is a huge deal to reject something in the Bible as not needing to be true if, if the Bible clearly intends us to believe it to be factually precise and historically accurate. If the Bible intends for us to believe this as factually true and precise, as in the case of precise genealogical records throughout the Bible, placing the creation of Adam at 6,027 years old. 
If it intends it, then it is a big deal if there's a conflict there. If science, beyond all doubt, proves the Bible is not historically reliable and factually true as it intended to be, then we have an issue and we can go from there. We'll, we'll talk about that as a church. But what I'm trying to show you in these few apologetic messages, two now and two in a few weeks from now, the facts of science don't prove beyond doubt that the Bible can't be trusted in, in its claims. I'm also worried that some are completely shut off in their re-examining of their own beliefs about creation at this time. Like just, like completely shut off. I, I see it in some and, and I'm sad. I, I'm, I'm sad that some are missing an opportunity to re-examine some of their long-held beliefs by really thinking about it and chewing on it with, with your family here. Uh, the people that are closed to any science interpretations that, that don't support what they currently believe. That's not good science. But closed, closed off to that, even some believing that creation science is like fake. It's, a, it's like fiction. It's farcical. Like, yikes. That's not fair. That's, that's, not, that's not fair. Now, I know. I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to reexamine long-held beliefs. It's one of the hardest things we can do, to re-examine, to lay our, our, our presuppositions down and, and re-examine them, dealing with the Bible, with science. I know how hard it is. I know it's going to be a challenge for, for so many in, in this room, especially those who studied science or who teach science, but, but try. Try, try it and, and, and get into a bit of a learning posture. Fact check me like crazy. Go for it. Fact check. Uh, fact check. But be open to the possibilities that things might be different than you've, you've locked in, especially if you grew up in a, in a Christian environment and we're going through the British edu- education system. Be open to the possibility that the most factually unbelieved pages in the Bible might actually be true. Be open to it. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to speak really graciously about all the views that, that are represented in this church because I understand. I understand why people come to the views that they have. What I would really like from you is, whatever your view, can you do the same? Can, can you speak graciously uh, about views, in, in our case, a minority view in this church, about the same, the straightforward testimony of the Bible? I would love it if you would seek whatever your view to understand how and why thinking people could, who love science could hold a view like this. How is that? Why is that? And even if you're not persuaded, I'd love it if you'd come to respect them and, and, and honor their, their reasonings, even if their thoughts end up being different. You're, you know, this is it's a family. It's not eye-rolling time. It's, it's, it's learning, to, it's learning to, to learn. It's learning to care. It's about loving one another, even people who who view differently. It's seeking to understand. If the straightforward testimony of the Bible and the facts of science actually fit together as one possible explanation of all that we see, which I believe they do, my faith in God and His Word goes up. And, and basically, if the first couple chapters of the Bible can be, can be interpreted as true, 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 then I think the whole rest of the Bible easily can be. Past, 
about our past, about our present, and about our future eternity with God. It means a lot to me. The challenge for us today, besides all that, is, is I want you to look at, uh, go, on, go online, and, and Bible Gateway is a good place, and I want you to just search the word flood. What two people in the New Testament definitely believe in the historical event of a worldwide flood, and, and what do they say about it? What, what, is their, what are their, their comments about that? The flood's a big deal, and it's a big deal in every area of science until we get to astronomy, and besides that, but it's, it's a big deal. So just look into that. Let me pray for us. God, I, I thank you for this family. I thank you for uh, your church and, and that you brought us together from all different walks of life, all different stories to, to, be, to, to be together, to be uh, full of love and grace to one another, to, to um, yeah, what a glorious thing your church is. Every tongue, tribe, and people and nation. Uh, we, love, we, we, we love your family. We love your church, and we're so glad to be a part of it, Jesus. Thank you for, for calling and, and for saving and for uh, granting grace and forgiveness and bringing us together in this church, uh, this, this little gathering, uh, as, as, a, as a people to run with together as we try and follow you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love you. Help us. Uh, God be praised. Uh, bless our family in Jesus' name. Amen.